0: But you turn to Psalm eighty one. How many people didn't have power last night? Wow. A minority. I've been suffering. Psalm eighty one. 81st psalm begins sing aloud unto god our strength make a joyful noise unto the god of jacob take a psalm and bring hither the timbrel the pleasant harp with the psaltery blow up the trumpet in the new moon this is a reference to the feast of tabernacles in the time appointed on our solemn feast day for this was a statute for israel and a law of the God of Jacob. This he ordained in Joseph. For a testimony when he went out through the land of Egypt, where I heard a language that I understood not. I removed his shoulder from the burden, his hands were delivered from the pots. Thou callest in trouble, and I delivered thee. I answered thee in the secret place of thunder. I prove thee at the waters of Meribah, Selah. Hear, O my people, and I will testify unto thee, O Israel. If thou wilt hearken unto me, there shall no strange God be in thee, neither shalt thou worship any strange God. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and i will feel it but my people would not hearken to my voice and israel would none of me so i gave them up under their own heart's lust and they walked in their own counsels oh that my people had hearkened unto me and israel had walked in my ways I should have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto him, but their time should have endured forever. He should have fed them also with the finest of the wheat, and with honey out of the rock should I have satisfied thee. Let's pray. Lord, we're so grateful that you're God and beside thee is none else. We're so thankful for your salvation. We're so thankful for your power. We're so thankful for your grace. We're so thankful for your wisdom. We're so thankful for your holiness. We're so thankful that you've made a way to be absolutely just and accept us in your beloved son. We confess our sins. We pray for forgiveness and cleansing. We pray for your blessing on this service that you would speak to each heart here according to your will. We ask that you would unite our hearts together to fear your holy name. What we ask for ourselves, we ask for all your people wherever they meet together. And Lord, we pray for your healing hand upon Our dear friends that are sick, according to your will, we ask once again that we might be enabled to love you more and love one another more, for Christ's sake. In his name we pray, amen. This psalm deals with a very important subject. Look in verse 13. I guess it's kind of dumb for me to say this psalm. It deals with a very important subject. Of course it does. This is the scriptures. And, uh, but this is uh, a different subject, I guess you might say. Look in verse 13. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. I should have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto him, but their time should have endured forever. He should have fed them also with the finest of the wheat, and with honey out of the rock should I have satisfied thee. Now this psalm speaks of what could have been. We don't normally think of the scriptures in that light, but that's exactly what he's saying in this passage of scripture. This psalm speaks of that which could have been. This psalm speaks of missed opportunity. And this psalm speaks of unfulfilled potential. That's the only way you can look at this psalm. This is what I would have done if they would have done this. But they didn't do this, therefore they did not receive the blessings that they would have had, had they done this. If I do not do this, this will not take place. Now that's what is stated clearly in this psalm. I think of the poem of all the words of tongue and pen, There are none more sad than it could have been. And that's what this psalm is about. Look in verse 10. The last part, open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. And the picture is little chicks in a nest. You've seen that? Their mouths open. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. What happens if I don't open my mouth wide? It won't be filled. Now, like I said, this is somewhat different, this psalm. Um, God is absolutely sovereign. And every event that takes place has already been determined and decreed. And it will take place. That's just fact. That's what the scripture teaches. Known unto God are all of his works from the beginning. Everything is determined. And that does not take away from verse 10, open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. While human free will does not determine anything, Proverbs 16:33 says, "The lot is cast into the lap and the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord." That's true. This is true as well. Ask, seek and knock. You ask, and it shall be given to you. You seek. And you shall find, you knock, and it shall be opened to you. Now, this belief in the absolute sovereignty of God, and we love God's sovereignty. That's who he is. We love who he is. Uh, That does not in any way take away from my praying, seeking, asking, knocking, knocking, And if I don't ask, I will not receive. If I don't seek, I shall not find. And if I don't knock, it will not be opened to me. This belief in God's sovereignty is not fatalism. Now, if I told you that God had determined that you would have a successful crop, it's going to happen for sure. Is there anybody in here that would say, well, that being the case, that means I don't need to plow up the ground. Why well, I don't have to sow seed. I don't have to weed it. I don't have to water it. It's just going to come up. Nobody would say something that stupid, would they? And yet, when it comes to the gospel, men hear that God elected a people and only the elect will be saved. Christ died for the elect. Their salvation is accomplished. God's grace is irresistible and invincible. And men will say, well, what's the point in seeking, then? What's the point in doing anything? What's the point in calling on the name of the Lord? What's the point in witnessing? What's the point in evangelism? You see how men would never do something like that with crops, but yet when they hear of God's sovereignty, they'll use it as an excuse for apathy, indifference, and deadness. That kind of thinking is foolish, it's wicked, willful, and false. There's no excuse for someone to take the absolute sovereignty of God and use it as an excuse to, well, what's the point? Here I am. No point in seeking the Lord. If he's going to save me, he will. If he's not, he won't. That kind of thinking is treacherous. And the psalmist is fighting That kind of thinking in this particular psalm. So let's look at what he says in Psalm 81. Sing aloud unto God our strength. I love the fact that God is my strength. Strength is the power to do. I can believe because he strengthens me. I can love because he strengthens me. It's his strength. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Lord, strengthen me. Strengthen me. Sing aloud unto God our strength and make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob, the covenant God. Jacob have I loved. Now, that's a reason to sing loudly. You know, singing ought to be loud, shouldn't it? And I'm not talking about trying to uh, impress somebody, but I mean the joyful noise we're making in the gospel. When we sing, ask the Lord to give us the grace to sing from the heart, these hymns that praise him. When we sing, hear the specials. These are songs with regard to him. Sing aloud, make a joyful noise. And then he talks about the instruments in verse 2. Take a psalm and bring hither the timbrel, the pleasant harp with the psaltery. I'm uh, always amazed that there are issues in certain religious uh, camps about whether or not you ought to use instruments, whether or not it ought to be a But where do you get that? I mean, look at the Psalms. I mean, yeah, I use instruments. Verse three: Blow up the trumpet in the new moon, in the new, in the time appointed on our solemn feast day. Now. This trumpet is the ram's horn that was to be blown for the people of Israel to gather together for a special feast. The Feast of Tabernacles is specifically what he's talking about. But they would blow a horn and people would come. But what this is talking about is public worship. Now, listen to this statement. I know you'll agree with it. The best private worship happens in public worship. That's where God speaks through the preaching of the word. When I'm worshiping publicly, that's where the Lord speaks to me privately in the most powerful way. And when public worship is neglected, you can be sure of this, private worship is neglected as well. Public worship, private worship. But this is a call, a summons for them to come to the appointed feast Verse 4, for this was a statute for Israel and a law of the God of Jacob, this gathering together for this public worship, this solemn feast, the singing of psalms, the singing aloud. This he ordained in Joseph. Now, how did um, Israel get into Egypt in the first place? Joseph was sent there. And that's what that's a reference to. Joseph was sent into Egypt, and that's where they spent 400 years before Moses came, uh, for he ordained, this he ordained in Joseph for a testimony when he went out through the land of Egypt. This was God blessing them to bring them out of the land of Egypt where I heard a language that I understood not. Now, I think this is interesting. Um, There's a language God understands. His language. His language. The language of his word. The language of his grace. And that's a language God's people understand. And they don't understand any other language as far as what speaks to their heart. Only the gospel. They, under, they hear the joyful sound. And we read of a language God does not recognize. He says, I don't understand that language, the language of works. I don't, I don't receive that. I don't, I'm not pleased with it. Then he goes on to say in verse 6, I removed his shoulder from the bird. And this is talking about deliverance from Egyptian bondage. They spent 400 years making the pyramids. Um, They were the main uh, source of labor to make the pyramids. I read where they found a new room in one of the pyramids this week. I'm always interested in that kind of stuff. But uh, they were used for that labor. And he says, "I, I took that labor away from them. I removed his shoulder from the burden. His hands were delivered from the pots. Thou callest in trouble, and I delivered thee. Well, that's talking about them crying, sighing and crying by reason of their bondage in Egypt. But isn't that true with us all the time? All the time. Trouble. Man that's born of woman is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. And if you're not in trouble now, you will be. You can just write that down. You will be. And you know what we do when we're in trouble? We call on his name in time of trouble. Thou callest in trouble, and I delivered thee. I answered thee in the secret place of thunder, I prove thee at the waters of Meribah, Selah. Now what that's referring to is the place of thunder, the waters of Meribah. It's talking about the smitten rock in Acts chapter 17. They heard the thunder of Sinai and they, the waters of Meribah have to do with the smitten rock. Where They said, what are we going to drink? And we're given such a beautiful type of the gospel where God said, I'm going to stand on the rock. You smite it. God said he would stand on it. You smite it. And waters will come out. And that is the gospel of Christ. He is the smitten rock. When he is smitten, that's God's reason for blessing and giving mercy. For no other reason but for Christ's sake. I prove thee. I love the uh, to think of where... Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter ten that rock followed them, and when they were going around through Israel or through the wilderness, the rock was following them. Somebody says, "Well, how could the rock follow them? Well, how could water come out of the rock?" I mean, it's 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 all miraculous. It's all God's work. But that rock followed them around and supplied them with water in their wilderness journey. He says in verse 8, hear, O my people, and I will testify unto thee. This is God's testimony. Hear, O my people, and I will testify thee, O Israel, if thou wilt hearken unto me. Here's what takes place when we hearken. There shall no strange God be in thee, neither shalt thou worship any strange God. Now, what is a strange God? Any God that is not the God of the Bible. Any God that is not exactly as he is revealed in this word. Any God like that is a strange God. And if I'm hearkening to God, if I'm listening to what he says in his word, I'm not going to accept a strange God. I'm not going to worship a strange God. I'm not going to go where a strange God is preached, where he's a God that's contrary to the God of the Scripture. Now, he says, if you'll hearken unto me, O my people, there shall no strange God be in thee, neither shalt thou worship any strange God. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And then he says, open thy mouth wide. And I will fill it. Now I hope we have some wide open mouths right now. He gives this promise. And I have no doubt that this is a picture. You've seen the little chicks in a nest when, they're, when the mother brings back food. And they've got their mouths open waiting for the mother to, or the father whoever it is to drop the food in their mouths. All they have is open mouths waiting for him to drop something in. Open your mouth wide. Bring a big cup. Make sure it's empty. I love where he said bring empty vessels. Make sure it's empty. But bring a big cup. I love John Newton's hymn. Come my soul, thy suit prepared. Jesus loves to answer prayer. He himself has bid thee pray. Therefore will not say thee nay. Thou art coming to a king large petitions with thee bring for his grace and power are such that none can ever ask too much open your mouth wide you know he's a glorious gracious God he delights in mercy he delights in pouring his blessing on his people open your mouth wide and he'll feel it that's his promise but verse 11 and this is, is if there is a, a, a more distressing more sad verse in all of the word of God than this I don't know what it is verse 11 but my people would not hearken to my voice and Israel would none of me now If that is not a testimony of human depravity, I don't know what is. Israel would none of me. I couldn't help but think of that passage in Isaiah chapter 43 when God testifies to his people. Israel is weary of me. Weary of me. I'd rather have the pots of Egypt. I'd rather have the leeks of Egypt. I would rather... Israel is weary of me. And what a, what a sinful testimony about us that we could actually, he says, Israel would none of me. And if you don't see that in yourself, uh, where you, you, you get tired, you want something else, how evil. How evil. Israel would none of me. So, verse 12. So, I gave them up unto their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. That's the worst thing that can happen for the Lord to lead me to myself. And that's what I fear more than anything. Don't leave me to myself. Don't leave me to my own desires, my corrupt desires. Don't leave me to my will. Don't leave me to my understanding. And this is a, you, you read something like this. God said, I gave them up. Lord, don't, don't give me up. Don't cast me off. Don't leave me to myself. The worst thing that could happen to me is for the Lord to leave me to my, as he said, their own heart's lust." And they walked in their own counsel, in their own ways, in their own desires. Now that that happened when my people would have none of me. I said, Okay, have it your way. Have it your way. And then he says in verse thirteen You know when I when I, I have to go back to Psalm when, when I think of, of this, I, I go back to Psalm eighty. Uh, We looked at this last week. Um, Verse 3. Turn us again, O God. We've turned away from you. Turn us again, O God. And cause thy face to shine and we shall be saved. Verse 7. Turn us again, O God of hosts. And cause thy face to shine and we shall be saved. Uh, Verse 14. Return, we beseech thee, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and visit this vine. Look in verse 18. So will we not go back from thee? Quicken us and we will call upon thy name. Turn us again, O Lord God of hosts. Cause thy face to shine and we shall be saved. Now when I think of being left to myself, I say, Lord, don't leave me to myself. Turn me. Turn me. I hope that's my prayer and I hope that's your prayer when we hear this warning in the scripture. Uh, do not, may the Lord deliver us from um, a fatalistic and apathetic attitude. And that's what the psalmist is fighting here. I gave them up into their own heart's lust and they walked in their own counsels. And I, look what he said. And this is where I where I began the introduction, oh, that my people had hearkened unto me. And Israel had walked in my ways, walked in the way of faith, walked in the way of grace. Here's what would have taken place if they did. I soon should have soo- subdued their enemies And turn my hand against their adversaries. This is what would have taken place. If they'd walked in my ways. Verse 15. The haters of the Lord. Should have submitted themselves unto him. But their time should have endured forever. Here's what he would have done. Verse 16. He should have fed them also with the finest of the wheat. Christ, the bread from heaven, the finest of the wheat. Anything I don't have, it's my fault. Amen? Anything I don't have, it's my fault. He would. He would. He delights in mercy. He's gracious. Don't ever ever, ever look at the decrees of God or sovereign grace as a reason to say, well, nothing I can do. No. Open your mouth wide. He will fill it. He would have done all these things. He should have fed them also with the finest of the wheat. Somebody says, well, I'm I'm not hearing. Whose fault is that? It's your fault. If I'm not hearing the gospel, it's my fault. If the gospel's being preached and I'm not hearing, he would have fed me with the finest of wheat. He should have fed them also with the finest of wheat and with honey out of the rock. Should I have satisfied thee? Now, I love this picture of honey out of a rock. You know, not only did water come from a rock, and what else comes from a rock? Honey. That's the sweetness of the gospel. The sweetness of, of knowing that God is pleased with me in Christ. Knowing that I'm accepted in the beloved. Knowing that salvation really is all of grace. You know what comes out of that? This honey out of the rock. Not only the water. The, 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 the smiting of Christ. The, the water. The, the, the salvation that comes from him being smitten. But oh the good things of the gospel, honey out of the rock. And notice how he says, I would have satisfied thee with honey out of the rock. Now, satisfaction. Satisfaction. Here's what satisfies. I'm complete in Christ. And there's nothing else needed. That only satisfies. I'm complete in Christ. He's made unto me wisdom, righteousness, sanctification. I don't have anything to look for. I don't have anything to be unsatisfied. Somebody that's unsatisfied because they're not looking to Christ. You look to Christ. You will be satisfied simply to be found in him and to be saved by him. That is true soul satisfaction. And only the believer has that. The unbeliever is always thirsting for something else. Not enough. And the reason they would say it's not enough is because they've never seen what it it is they think it's not enough is. The gospel satisfies. I'm not looking for anything else. I'm, I'm satisfied to be saved by Jesus Christ the Lord in a way that he gets all the glory and none comes to me because I know I don't have any coming, and I'm completely satisfied with that. Honey, out of the rock. God, our rock. Now, I hope this psalm uh, reminds us. Like I said initially, if I said that about a garden, a garden, uh, God's determined you have a garden, nobody would say, well, I'm not going to plow the ground then. I'm not going to sow the seed. I'm not going to weed it. I'm not going to water it. If I'm going to have a garden, it'll just pop up. You'd never say that. And may we never take the glorious truth of God's sovereignty and then just use it as a way to indifference and doing Nothing, not seeking. Amen.